welcome back to Trivial Merit, a music discussion show where myself, Matthew, and my co-host, Caroline, say hi, Caroline. Hi, Caroline. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping for that. Uh, We get together every couple of weeks, and we talk about music uh, and create playlists of bands or styles. Uh, with the idea of moving us to moving us and hopefully you from a negative mood to a positive one uh, we are following up you know our new most favorite bill withers with uh, one of my already favorites and one of Caroline's uh, I believe you said this was a hole in your taste yeah yeah just uh, a little one this is this is we are doing it with uh, the Beastie Boys Um who, despite their despite their beginnings, became pretty important in uh, just popularizing and actually pushing the art form of hip hop forward. Um, so, Caroline, let's just start with you. Uh, what do you mm-hmm. what What is your experience with the Beastie Boys prior to this? I think. I didn't know anything about them. I had maybe not, I had probably heard, I must have heard Fight for Your Right to Party, of course, because that is like everywhere. But I don't think I knew about them until Intergalactic, the single, came out. Nice. And I really like that song still. That's a good song. Um, But it wasn't like it didn't grab me it wasn't like exactly my thing at the time and then i went to college and the hip-hop i started listening to was a lot of like uh i'm not sure i don't understand hip-hop subgenres enough to clearly define what i'm talking about but i I don't um, either but i try my hardest sure Um, so i was listening to a lot of stuff like black alicious that's like really lushly produced and has like cool um almost like funk undertones and stuff like that um and like deltron 3030 okay um so almost like early aughts arty rap am i allowed to say that yeah Um, no i think i think that's i think that's valid um like stuff that was outside of the radio mainstream for sure and that was basically the hip-hop equivalent of, like, when you talk about, quote-unquote, college rock, you know? That's, like, indie stuff. So. Sure. Yeah, yeah no. so I think I, I basically, I just missed them. And it wasn't because they weren't good. It was just, like, timing and stuff. We were, like, trains that miss, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, as I, as I said before we started recording, uh, this band is rather important to me. Uh, I remember when I first heard them, <clears throat> but uh, it's a it's a funny story. I was in my aunt Libby's car, and I must have been. I had I think I was about to turn eight. Um, it would have been in the summer when she was taking my cousins and I to my grandparents' swimming pool that they had in their backyard, and being. Uh, able to drive at that time. Of course, she was listening to Fight for Your Right to Party. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, th- it, I didn't. Re- I didn't really become 
a fan until right before the release of Ill Communication. And that was because, like, I had heard uh, So What You Want on the radio. I had heard... Uh, I'd heard, you know, all of the singles from Fight Fear It's Party because Midwestern radio tend to gravitate there rather than more uh, art form pushing hip hop. <clears throat> and uh, I mean, I'd also known about like the Run DMC correlation between them, which is which I still think is fascinating to this day. Anyway, what really gravitated me into the band was not so much the singles, but what I but what I found when I picked up singles, like I found B sides. I found it was like the, the the Beastie Boys taught me about the remix uh, first before like before like any other real hip hop group did, um, and finding out like where they come from which i think is a i think is an a really fascinating story because new york in the early 80s is a melting pot of a lot of landmark things at the same time and the fact that they were just like you know 13 14 15 and and going to clubs because new york just let kids in uh, and mm-hmm. they, they were able to expose themselves to like the the punk new wave of the. I mean, I know they talk about the Clash as like a big influence of theirs uh, throughout their career, but at, at that time you're thinking they went and saw Blondie uh, when they were on their ascendancy. They probably saw uh, DC hardcore bands that came to New York and played. So you're, you're talking Black Flag, uh, Minor Threat. But then also they, a lot opening a lot of those sets is like the early days of hip hop when hip hop is still kind of a party and a stream of consciousness art form rather than a choreographed, uh, curated experience. Like it's, I mean, it's almost an entire new world from what it is today and i i mean i do like that world but i i think it's interesting that they get get, they get to be there you know at the beginning uh yeah the the beginning of it becoming a cultural phenomenon because like you can talk about the beginning of hip-hop and that'll be one of the most disputed things uh until parties can come to agree like okay this person did it first um and they initially formed as a four-piece hardcore band with uh, yes. Mike D on vocals. I believe Adam Yauk, MCA, would be, uh, I think he was on bass. There was another gentleman by the name of John Barry who would not last very long in that outfit, but it was also Kate Schellenbach on drums of Luscious Jackson. And when I learned this, it blew my goddamn mind. Because uh, I learned this um, in the late 90s after I'd been a fan for a few years and I had heard Luscious Jackson. I'm like, that's kind, that's pro-, I, I thought to myself, that's probably why they sound so funky. But then I went and found like some old bullshit and I was, wait a minute, this isn't what Luscious Jackson sounds like at all. <laughs> so, so 
all of a sudden I'm like, how do you get from Egg Raid on Mojo to here on the Clueless soundtrack? And and then you see Mullethead, which is a hardcore Beastie Boys song on the Clueless soundtrack as well. And I'm like, okay, music is wild. And this is probably one of those things that made me want to learn uh, about music like from a from a consumer point of view like i like to i like to i i I could probably take the plunge and go take a class and learn like theory and you know the evolution of that theory and whatnot but anyway this is how i this is kind of one of the things that made me you know when i started really getting into hip-hop i wanted to find out where the samples were but after Ill Communication came out, I realized I didn't have Paul's Boutique. Paul's Boutique is the one that, it's still my second favorite album of all time, but it is the one where I thought, what is this? Where does this come from? Mm-hmm. And because uh, you, you hear License to Ill, which... If, even if you compare it to hip hop at the time in the mid '80s, I think that was '86 when they came out. It's still ahead of the game, even like because I think, like if you look at the the high watermark of hip hop at the at the time, it's Run DMC's "Raising Hell." Then the Beastie Boys comes out. It's the first hip hop record to to ascend to the summit of the Billboard 200. And it's also one that is like, oh, if you even looking back in the mid 90s, like, oh, this is just that decade of one hit wonders that would blow up and then just disappear. But they just stepped away from where they were, completely moved across the country and started listening to different music and deciding to become deciding to sort of step out of their own world. And they come back with what's. Uh, in the words of former Rolling Stone writer Alan Light, probably the most surprising follow-up to a big hit in the last... I think he said this in the late 90s, but like in the last 30 years, because it is basically frat boy nonsense that's followed up by something complicated, dense, and almost challenging to follow, but when you follow it, it's not fruitless like there's reward there and it uh, it was probably the first hip-hop album that i really paid attention to that taught me about songwriters of all kinds just writing about what they know and what they see because paul's boutique is a layer cake of just references that these people that these three individuals just sort of understand and speak in and when I got into more of the native tongue side of hip hop, I found De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising. And I'm like, this is just the same as Paul's Boutique. And they came out within moments of each other. Like, how did this, how does this happen? And it is, and it is those, those two particular albums are one of the reasons I still just try and listen to all the hip hop I can because I appreciate the entire 
Like, I mean, as someone who doesn't eat pizza crust, like I will, I will eat like the entire pie of a hip hop album and try and think about it from all levels. Like, where do the samples come from? Are there verbal references that I'm missing? You know, things like that. Um, you don't eat pizza crust? I I don't. I I I. I Put, I, I give the ends I actually I actually give the ends to bagel because he really likes it. <gasps> Aww. <laughs> so 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 they don't go to waste so at least there's that uh, and and no disrespect don't at me it's not something I can really articulate or understand just one day I stopped and I never started again <laughs> um but uh, and so the Beastie Boys are are super important to me in terms of in terms of like expanding my own appreciation uh, of music at a time where I didn't really know a lot because mm-hmm. they es- essentially taught me about hardcore punk. They taught me to, they taught me to try out uh, more more jazz because I think a lot of their instrumentals on check your head and ill communication specifically go that route um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it also the, the check your head no communication um, as well as Paul's boutique taught me that sometimes you can use art in a new way that creates something new um and I, I, lo- I, I love figuring that out about an artist, or at least, especially when they teach me something like that. Because nowadays, or well, actually, maybe not so much nowadays, but like in the 90s for sure, especially w- with artists uh, like Puff Daddy and Mace kind of ruling the charts the way they did, there were plenty of rock folks. Uh, of, of, of all ilks that were just saying they're just stealing they're just stealing <clears throat> really <clears throat> we're, we're, we're gonna just steal every breath you take and make it about you know a, make it a, a, a eulogy for Biggie Smalls <sighs> you can do better when I like that song so much though it's, yeah and, <laughs> and, 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 that, and yeah it's not bad at all because and I also like the the way that people approach sampling in hip hop in terms of like critique um like in trying to look up uh, a bunch of nuggets uh, of things that i found about the beastie boys there was one thing i found really interesting and it's from ultimateclassicrock.com this is an article from 2016 but it's uh, and it's written by uh brian wozniak i hope i'm not butchering that name but it says when the beastie boys stole led, Ze- led zeppelin samples for license to ill and I'm like, you're not going to mention Creedence Clearwater Revival or ACDC or Black Sabbath? Because they did that, too. It's also like, it's such a funny thing to act as though art has not always been transformative in that way. Oh, 100%. Like, suddenly we we don't approve of it because somebody's doing it in a way that we don't like. Yeah. Okay, well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And it's also, I think, one of the absolutely coolest things about hip-hop is when a song starts with a sample like that, like on License to Ill, mm-hmm. and then 
immediately shakes you out into something that's completely different. Just like psychologically, that is such a cool thing to get to do. You think it's one thing and it becomes a different thing and it's awesome. Right. And and when, like, think about what you want about using someone else's work and citation and all of that. That's, that's... That's a different thing when you're talking about research and and whatever. But when you're trying to, but when the creative juices get flowing, I mean, you think about some of the biggest hip hop hits just outside of like the Beastie Boys. You know, Run Run DMC did it. They, I think they, I think a lot of their songs were wrapped over to drum samples from Billy Squire's Big Beat. So, which oh, that's of, awesome. Which a lot of <laughs> a lot of hip hop from the '80s did that. You know, Clyde Stubblefield is not getting royalties for all the times "Funky Drummer" by James Brown was used. But this is also kind of an interesting principle that is extended for at this point over a century because I think it was Picasso and Marchand that use the whole found art thing and and i think if you look at album if you look at albums like you know paul's boutique uh three feet high and rising and even more recently uh, in the year 2000 with uh since i left you by the avalanches like that particular album has no rapping on it but every sample used creates an a, a song and there are layers upon layers upon layers of them. And it's one of the, it's, I think, a, a reviewer for either Spin or, or, or even Vibe might have, might have first used the word sampledelic in reference to Since I Left You by the Avalanches. Oh, I love that. <clears throat> That's so evocative. And, and it meaning, like, and hip hop is beautiful that way and i love the fact that like these three dudes that started out completely out of place on a madonna tour that they were put there simply because they decided to loop some drums and cut together a prank call to carvel asking to speak to cookie puss which is an ice cream cake cookie puss is very cursed and they got on a they got on the like a virgin tour for Madonna. <laughs> like that's how they ended up there. It's like how does that line even work? Um, I like that though because um, Madonna also was like scrappy and on the come up. You know, like she worked her ass off to. Um, become part of the pop scene and she was doing her own thing and oh sure like so I'm i kind of i like the no 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 i know you're not but i i kind i like the the sort of like dramatic irony of those two ending up together at that point in time that's like neat mm-hmm. and like all they had at, on that tour was a single that would get withdrawn because acdc didn't want them to use their sample uh <laughs> Granted, when I saw it on eBay, on vinyl, you know what your boy did. Of course. I own rock hard. It makes me happy. (laughs) Also, I feel like classic rock guys just are always finding new ways to be the biggest babies about stuff. Like, please just be cooler. Imagine all the new fans they would get if fans knew that the sample was from them. And, you know, like... 100%. 100%. It's so funny. It's just like... 
if you if you don't if you if you embrace and don't call attention to it, things could have been so much different. Um, if the cat's out of the bag and the cat is doing free advertising for you, yeah, maybe just like be chill. I don't know. <laughs> that seems that seems easy to decide. <laughs> yeah, really. You can't put the cat back in the bag. That's the whole point. Exactly. Exactly. By it, trying, you're just gonna look like a wiener. Yeah, and and or you're just gonna look like someone who's abusing their pet at this point. Like just let the cat <laughs> run. It's probably just gonna be leave fine. the cat alone. <laughs> we solved it. Why were you putting the cat in a bag in the yeah, first place? Like, why AC, did the cat DC? have to escape from a bag? Like I could understand if you like put it in there for like ten minutes just so you could surprise you know your partner, your child, or just somebody who's just maybe really if you down. had to give it medicine or something and you had it wrapped in a towel, maybe. you know that kind of yeah yeah yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I like how I like how I said I wasn't going to derail us, and here we are talking about cats. Hey, we we both derailed us. I brought up the cat in the bag. Schrodinger's podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the only way to find out if no. we're alive or dead is to listen. I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's the proof of life concept. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, what do you say? We stop my rambling because I could go for a while um, and get to lists. I would love to do some lists. Okay, so before before we get to lists, I do want to say a couple of things. Um, in the in the late nineties, or no, mid to late nineties, uh, one of the things that taught me about sort of social justice was Adam Yauch starting the Mila Repa Fund, which he would end up raising money for when the Beastie Boys organized the Tibetan Freedom Concert. So, free Tibet. And I don't know if they're free yet. So uh, I don't think they are, but um, no, they're definitely not. And uh, also, um, I just had it in front of me, and now it's gone. But MCA did pass, and when he passed, uh, it was one of the few times a celebrity passing uh, made me very, very sad. Um, he was so young. Yes. Was he was he was not old. I don't remember. I don't remember why he died. Oh, it was parotid cancer. So he died in 2012, and um, I think that was the same year they were uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I think they were they are the the Beastie Boys are only the third hip hop act to make it in there. Uh, wow. Yeah, they are behind Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five and Run DMC, which makes sense. Okay, um, that makes yes. sense. Yeah, <laughs> timeline. Yeah, um, and uh, and yeah, he was only forty-seven. Uh, That's so young. It was, it was one of the, I think it was probably one of the people, and I know this is probably, this price sounds uh, a little stupider than it actually is, but like. I grew up a lot listening to this band's music, and uh, it made me very sad to see someone who kind of fostered uh, a very out-of-place Midwestern boy <laughs> uh, remaining, you know, safe and alive. Uh, it was very sad when he passed. Um, yeah. But with that said... Wait, can I... Oh, go right ahead. Can I inject go right ahead. A, simil- a similar thing? Sure. Um, Something that I discovered while I was listening to them and kind of looking up lyrics to stuff, um, because on their early records, there's definitely some homophobia. And there might be other stuff um, that I haven't heard on other songs that I 
listened to but didn't choose for my list. Um, but the band in uh, 1999, they made a public statement uh, kind of like disowning those early homophobic references yes. and uh, kind of expunging them. So um, while it's not great that they did that in the first place, it is good that they uh, came out publicly and... 1999 is um, pretty early to get out on the anti-homophobia train, mm -hmm. um, in my opinion. Um, not that that makes it okay that they did it. You know, sure. it's a complicated thing. But but when I read that, I was like, that is a good thing that they eventually did. Yeah. So um, some of these songs have some stuff that's like, mm, 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 mm. Um, and we're contextualizing that but if you uh are sensitive to that kind of stuff and you want to skip it i totally get yeah, that no you're, you're valid you know especially in the middle of pride month which caroline and i both acknowledge and celebrate uh, yeah with with all of our peers and you know, we're proud of you <laughs> yes 100 percent. and if you are here listening we are happy to have you and it's better that you're here promise you yeah last thing before we get to lists Caroline and I are not medical providers. We are not giving medical advice. If you feel you need uh, therapeutic help, we ask that you seek a professional, and we will advocate that you seek a professional. Um, Definitely. And with that, uh, to quote a sample in Sure Shot, ah, yes, indeed, it's fun time. <laughs> that was smooth. <laughs> uh, so, I, so I think I started, so I start. Isn't that the logic on this? Yes, I think it is. Yeah, my list will be anticlimactic. So, one of the things I didn't learn until around 2005 was that the first song on my list is a cover. Oh, And when I learned that, it became one of my favorite covers ever. It is a cover of a Sly and the Family Stone song called Time for Living. They changed this transitional funk legends, like later work that is mostly muted and quiet, into just a shredder of a one minute, 50 second hardcore song. Uh, it's off of Check Your Head. I think it's actually, I think it's actually like about the midway point of Check Your Head and Check Your Head has 20 songs on it. Uh, but it blew my mind when I started hearing them do things like that. And uh, it has been a favorite of mine ever since. And I think that it doesn't... I think they're, despite the um, despite the speed, like I think if you were to look at the Sly and the Family Stone song, it's definitely, you know, a more of a, a, a get up and a get up and give out sort of thing and uh, I love the song so much number two is a classic in the Beastie Boys canon 
And I think the only reason it follows up Time for Living is because of tempo, it is off of ill communication sabotage. Nice. Okay. That song's great. Yes. I used to do that song at Rock Band a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, we want to talk about Rock Band? Oh, cool. I love Rock Band. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I think we played I think we played Sabotage in my house a lot, and I think I probably lost my voice singing it a lot. But uh, Yeah, you don't realize. I think something about their delivery that's interesting to me is that they're just plain old yelling. You know, like yeah. even even among contemporary hip hop, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of just full tilt yelling. And I think part of that comes from their background as a hardcore and punk band, but also the fact that their first album was really like almost like party rock. Yes. You know? hundred percent. So it's just like kind of meant to be yelled and, but they're so good at yelling, but it is tiring for your voice. Oh, 100%. But I also think that like when Run DMC broke in 1984, like that was sort of the mold and they were very much doing, they were very much sort of doing that. And they are, you know, they were produced by Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons who, uh, you know, also had hands in Run DMC. I mean, especially with Russell Simmons being, uh, Reverend Run's brother. So it's all a small world. Yes, it's, it's such a small world, and I think Rick Rubin was an NU an NYU student at the time. So I don't know. Uh, oh my gosh, that is wild <laughs> to think about. Yeah, it's, it's, some of some of this. Be, I wish I I wish there was a, a a way that I could just have a month to just research this band because it would be great to just look at all that stuff. From a wide lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to Paul's Boutique for me, for number three, uh, it is the, I think the sixth song on it, it is The Sounds of Science. Time and money for girls covered with honey. Will I aspire to be as cunning? Feeling a rock and a roll, a B size D cup, order the quarter deluxe. Why don't you wake up? My mind is kind of blowing like an oil projector. And you get up and you get the Jimmy Protector. Wait for serving and work and exploding. She woke up in the morning and her face was coated. Nice. Which I still think is has some of the some of their funniest material. Um and it's also the fact that it's like all sampled Beatles songs still just it still just blows my mind now granted i've heard all these songs you know uh aside from this band and it's just like how how did someone not think to sample the end for a rap rock song how did that not happen i mean grant well the beast yeah. did but like i feel like that that should have happened closer to license to ill than to paul's boutique but uh mm-hmm. but uh Sounds of Science rules, and uh, it's it's kind of like a, su- a suite of songs pulled into one. It is. I like that it's sort of like 
It's like a baby rock opera. Mm-hmm. It starts out kind of slow and quiet. Yeah. It has like a middle interlude. Yeah. And then it blasts off. Okay. <laughs> yep. Wax it like and it. milk it. No. Um, <laughs> uh, going back to check your head, the check your head era, uh, when I first, like the first thing I ever actively bought by the Beastie Boys was the single for So What You Want. Nice! And it had this song on it. It's called The Skills to Pay the Bills. That's a great title. to that particular single it, it it eventually somehow left my collection i think it was stolen at a party in high school but i'm not gonna just start leveling you know accusations but then i found out that they released a vhs full of videos called the skills to pay the bills and went and found that and went and found that and you know vhs is a fun time i think i still have it somewhere but like do I have a VHS player? <laughs> no, I do not. Um, cassettes probably worn the heck out, but here we are. For number five, we are heading to more recent fare. It is off of To the Five Burrows. It is Triple Trouble. If you want to know, I know the real deal about the three. We're going to take it with Triple Trouble, y'all. We're going to bring you off the screen. Check it out. Because I'm a specializer, but I'm reviser. Ain't selling out to advertisers. What you get is what you see. Come and on. you won't see me in the advertising. See, I like to party, not drink Bacardi. Because I'm not looking cheap to work for nobody. No from a spiel. Nice. Which goes all the way back to the beginning of hip hop on the charts for its sample of the opening to Rapper's Delight, which makes me happy. The one thing that doesn't make me happy about this song, though, Adrock did not have to do that poor of a British accent. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's not great. It it it, bother, it that that one part bothers me and the rest of the song is fine. But that's really funny. It, it does bother me. Um, for number six, back to Paul's boutique. It is uh, the penultimate cut on Paul's boutique. It is Shadrach. including the interlude that's called Ask for Janice, where it's just an advertisement for Paul's Boutique uh, before their B-Boy Booyah base. Uh, but Shadrach is dope. Um, 
It's pro. I actually, I won a karaoke contest in college doing this song. Wow. That- <laughs> I was by myself. That's an, am- that's an amazing detail. I was by myself. And um, I, I basically said, I, I asked what the person running the karaoke, and like, what Beastie Boys do you have? And they're like, fight for your right to party. I actually just handed them Paul's Boutique because I had it on me. And I said, play this song. They're like, but this isn't a karaoke CD. I'm like, it's fine. Don't worry. Just just lower the volume. I'll be good. And I did the song. And then I found out the person who was runner-up was in a local production of Jesus Christ Superstar. Wow. And I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> you were you were better than Jesus, well, just like John I Lennon. Mean, it's funny that there the, the fact that it's a rap song making reference to a biblical story, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> The layers, yes. <laughs> the layers are just so wonderful to me. Uh, but for number six, my or, or number seven, my penultimate song is a song you've already mentioned, Intergalactic. But nice, it is the Fuzzy Logic remix. Oh, okay. Too nice to be When on the talk I style I'm not too keen Try to change the world I will plot and scheme Mario C Likes to keep it clean Clean Gonna shine like Day Sunbeam Keep on rapping Cause that's my dream Dream Hit more D For a stick or two It's on the single It is on Spotify And When I Was kind of Done Listening to Hello Nasty Not like for any reason Other than that I had heard it way too much I think it was on the iPod I had in like 07, 08 or whatever. I was on my way to work and then all of a sudden that came on. I'm like, I didn't know I had this. And then it's the Beastie. I'm like, it's wait, intergalactic? What? Intergalactic? Oh. Oh, yeah. The Beastie Boys just have really good remixes a lot of the time. Who knew? Um, but yeah, I do. I do love this version of it. I'm not gonna sit here and say it's a it's a better version than the 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 original single or album cut, but uh, I I definitely have listened to it more I think. And my final one is off their final album. It is the opener, and it is the video that makes fun of the individuals in the Fight for Your Right to Party video. It is make some noise. Yes, here we go again. Give you more, nothing lesser. Nice. I think that's probably way higher on my list of favorite Beastie Boy songs than it would be on most. Which, fine. But it's one of the, like, watching the video and seeing, like, I think it's Seth Rogen, Elijah Wood, and I think um, Danny McBride playing the versions of the Beastie Boys that were in the Fight for Your Right to Party video like just after oh that's so funny party like the day after 
And then there's a moment where you just see like the actual Beastie Boys sitting on a car, just staring at him with disdain. And I'm like, I like the statement here because they know where they know where they came where they came from, and they know what made them sort of household names for a time. And they they don't they realize they don't have to be happy with it. And like they realize now that they could have they could have and should have done better by both, you know, maybe the art form, or 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 the content. And I do like that in the ensuing uh, almost twenty years between, or actually over twenty years between, make some noise and fight for your right. That they they realize that they've become better people. They've learned a lot and they've tried to they've tried to be more progressively forward than they have than they than they knew to be as 18 year old kids um yeah and yeah that's my list i love this band a lot i think your list is really good Thank you. and i do want to say before you get to yours that i was it was very happy uh i was very happy to receive uh a message on discord from you saying hello hi i love the beastie boys <laughs> <laughs> I just had to speak my uh, truth. Speak it, preach it, shout it from the mountaintops. I am I am in full support. Okay, it's my turn. It is. I will pass the mic to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I struggled with the emotional side of trying to make this list. Oh, it's real hard. It's real In terms difficult. of... Yeah, in terms of, like, a, a rich emotional vocabulary, this just really isn't the band for that. So, eventually, I think like you kind of hinted at, I just settled on tempo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... I mean, that's one of... Um, like, I think it's the one thing we've always sort of done, and I think we've said multiple times, like... Put the first of our Ten Commandments, when in doubt, settle on tempo. Yes, yes. Okay, so, first on my list is an absolutely batshit song off of License to Ill. It is Girls, which is abs- just a wild piece of music. Wow. And, um... No? It is... To quote you, I don't know what I thought you were going to say, but that is it. <laughs> <laughs> like frenetic the music gives you a weird feeling it's kind of circusy it's like it's like nightmare um and the and i will say of all the songs that i listen to by them it's by far the worst in terms of its content it's rough (laughs) so i think all of that adds up to a good song (laughs) To try to catch you in your anxiety place. I'm glad you added on to that sentence because. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Keep listening, please. Please don't trim. <laughs> Preview's gonna look weird. Okay. No. 
<laughs> okay, second on my list, and I found this interesting, is off of Paul's Boutique. It is The Sounds of Science. Hell yeah! So, we were in the same zone. That makes me feel good, because you love them, and I am a neophyte. Constantly on, constantly on, the fountain you not rub If so, I'm just going to derail for a second up until I want to say an hour and five minutes ago. Sounds of Science was second. Nice! I almost just switched it and made it first, just now. And Sabotage was not on my list. Oh, wow. (laughs) Down to the wire. Okay. Number three on my list is another unhinged song from License to Ill. I like this. It is Brass, Brass Monkey. Wow. What a what a weird song. Yeah. So weird. And I I don't think it's a bad song. It, it's just really weird. There's so much stuff that it like License to Ill is such a scatter shot. It really is. Of like tonal dissonance. And I I like the idea that before this they were punks because I think it kind of shows in their ethos toward especially in these early albums where they're just like we're gonna do whatever we want and i i like that it's it's neat it's very confident and they pull off a lot more stuff than they should be able to <laughs> yeah and, they, and it's it's okay. weird how, I, I don't remember where i heard this i think it was in a documentary about them but it seems like on license to ill they just really love being teenagers it does feel yes it has like a little identity crisis like a teenager does okay number four on my list is from the love american style ep it is shake your rump Which is just a fun, fun I love that I love that you you went deep enough to get to love American style. That makes me so happy, Caroline. 
I just don't know in, in context. I don't know the meaning of these things. I just was like, I like the song. Yeah. Well, I kind of like that whole EP quite a bit. Uh, well, yeah. The, so, so shake your rump is actually the second song on Paul's boutique, and I loved, I loved that when I was able to get that EP to get a hold of that EP on CD. Uh, a, I wore the hell out of it. B, um. I was introduced to a couple of great instrumentals on it in Dis Yourself in 89 and 33% God, which are basically just reworks and added layers to the backing tracks of Shake Your Rump and Hey Ladies. Oh, interesting. But yeah, that makes me so happy that you have Love American Style on your list. Oh, if you thought that made you happy, here's what's next. Shadrach. Yes. But it's from the little album An Exciting Evening at Home with Shadrach. <laughs> Meshach and Abednego? Thank you for remembering the other names, which I tried to commit to memory, and I was like, nope. Well, the only reason I know that is because when I was like 16 and at post a, a, a really bad event in high school, uh, I ended up in Christian Youth Group, and they taught me what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego meant, and I've never forgot it since. Wow, you were your own rap genius at that moment. <laughs> I don't know about that, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Number six on my list is from Paul's Boutique. It is Eggman. Yeah. Superfly sample. We all dressed in black. We snuck up around the back. We began to attack the eggs to crack on Hayes' back. Sam, I am down with the program. Green egg and egg. Don't give me the sand. Come Halloween, you know. I come strap. I do it out of support. that they named the song with the superfly sample Eggman, but they named the song with all the Beatles samples the Sounds of Science. Mm-hmm. They're just always changing it up on you. Okay, number seven on my list is from Ill Communication. And these last two songs are just like really fun songs that make me feel good. So, um, it is Sure Shot. You can't, you won't, and you don't stop. Yeah. 
so good. Such a good. I love that video too. There's wandering around in seats. It's so And then last on my list, I have to say I think this is my favorite Beastie Boys song. Okay. It is from To the Five Burrows, and it is Cha Check It Out. Oh, yes. Yes, Cha Check It Out. final thoughts we actually had a list submission caroline oh we did wonderful from uh i'm gonna say friend of the show zach uh he goes by uh zodiac 308 or zodiac underscore 308 on twitter oh yes i believe that's uh their id in the uppercut discord as well yes uh he submitted a a playlist and uh here we go so off of he opens with off of Hello Nasty, uh, Super Disco Breaking. All right. Second is Gratitude, off of Check Your Head. Wow, okay. Uh, third is Nonstop Disco Power Pack, off of Hot Sauce Committee, Part 2. Wow, he's so different from us. <laughs> yeah. Or is it is it they? Is it he they? Uh, doesn't specify, so I'm probably gonna okay. go between he and they. Sure. Um, I just, just add to be you know, the absolute most respectful I can. Uh, following that, it's too many rappers off of Hot Sauce Committee Part Two. One, one, two, then they go all the way back to License to Ill for No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Nice. I love that song. I do too. No Sleep Till! Back saved it for after uh then to hello nasty with remote control okay nice then to the five burrows triple trouble okay and finally a list or a song that stayed on my list so long i'm surprised it's not on it shake your rump okay awesome so so yeah thank you zach follow him on twitter he's a he's a very fun very fun guy very fun person that's uh, it's fun that they're was one song in common with your list, right? Yep. Triple Trouble. Mm-hmm. And one in common with my list, yeah. with Shake Your Rump. So, follow Zodiac underscore 308 on Twitter. Come to the upper, Uppercut Discord, and you can listen to, you can see them 
get on the horn about K-pop, which is fun. And he's ah yes. And he's also talked to me a lot about metal, which is one of my glaring like need to know more about. Um, K-pop and metal, the two genders. <laughs> I wonder what the pronouns are for each. No, um, so <laughs> so going doing this like it's the first time I've actually gone back and listened to License to Ill. Uh, all the way through, like there. Oh, interesting. At, at least the first in like more than a decade. Like there are mm-hmm. some, there are songs that'll show up on like when I'm doing a random time on Spotify. Like they'll show up and and I won't skip them. Like time to get ill. I still really like. Uh, I do like. Uh, it's the new style, but it was one of those. I'm like. From a historical standpoint, I, I see it, I get it, but I think I have, it's one of those relationships that are like, I'm okay acknowledging that I, that I liked it at one point. It's kind of, it's kind of like where I am with Star Wars at this point. Like I had my time with Star Wars. I'm not really actively seeking to engage with it anymore. Maybe one day again but it, it's one of those like I think it's a good album and I can see why it did what it did and I could see uh, I could see who and what it influenced and what it means to hip hop as a whole but uh, yeah I'm, I'm very happy to have moved beyond it but also for me to put it as brief as I can this list was hard oh yeah I bet it was hard for me as someone who didn't know much about them at all and and i mean it goes into everything you said about like the the emotional uh range of the band like there's they they have some, i mean i think if we would have rolled different emotions it would have been equally hard unless you're talking from having a mad day to elated like it, there's re- there's really nothing that they really cover well <laughs> yeah like i i think like they get to they get to tones that can be depressing but there's not it, it's like those are severe outliers on the albums they're on and in the discography as a whole um, mm-hmm. or you could pull in some of maybe their like instrumental stuff you know yeah. that just is more like about moods rather than words yeah exactly and uh, and even some of that, it's it's still just it still kind of feels like wading in a pool rather than swimming in an ocean. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, this list was hard for me. What are what are what are what are your thoughts? Well, I think this. Uh- it's weird to compare them to Bill Withers, but something I said then and something I felt this time too is that listening to their music just like made me feel good. Sure. And so it was nice to spend some time with them. Mm-hmm. And um, it's also, it. there's just something neat about it just being these three guys this whole time. And they were friends first, and they made music together, and they became superstars and all of that. And it was still just the same three guys. Like, that's charming. And it, it, you see, like, the friendship aspect of it, even when, like, I, even when they're sort of 
rhyming style sort of changed because I think even on License to Ill and specifically on Paul's Boutique, it seems like they are <clears throat> they're passing a baton around really, really fast. Where mm-hmm. one will start a sentence and the other one might finish it. And then uh, one of the things I always like that they do on stage is there's a basketball drill pattern called the three-man weave. Uh-huh. And when they're on stage, like, that's what they do. I think the three-man weave is just a braid. Well, I, I'm, I, I've never braided my hair. I've never had it long enough to braid. So, um, but you're... Yeah, bit- you learned a safe braid for boys because it was about sports. Well, no, I just learned it when I played basketball like (laughs) a coach called it a three-man weave and i've just always referred to it as that but i never made the connection that it's a braid till uh, i was today years old yeah now if i have a daughter today we learned if if i ever have a daughter i will know how to braid hair so you can be like do you want me to put your hair in a three-man weave and she'll be like yeah or maybe she'll say that that feels kind of appropriating dad There is that too. You're right. Different <laughs> sense of the word. <laughs> yes. But and, and I hate to say it this way, but like speaking of appropriation, um, <laughs> it's it's funny how when like when I moved to Philly and I started trying to and I worked at like the local Tower Records here and I would talk to people about hip hop and I would always say like, Have you ever listened to the Beastie Boys? They're like Really? Fight for your right to party? I go, no, not that. Listen to everything. After. <laughs> listen, listen to after that, and you'll see, like, they can actually create really fantastic hip-hop. And they're like, yeah, but they were white boys. They're, I mean, they're basically like Elvis, just stealing. And I'm like, you know, I can't tell you you're wrong, because it does certainly appear that way. Because when you think of the distance between 1984, when Run DMC started knocking on the door of superstardom, to 1986, when the Beastie Boys are the first rap album to hit number one, it looks like something's been stolen. Yeah. I love that the story is way different than that, because when they were still, you know, a hardcore band, they were experiencing uh, the early era of the new wave the earliest era of uh hip-hop becoming a cultural idea as well as the downtown new york no wave that would produce like sonic youth uh it would create a pulse for the artwork of jean-michel basquiat and you'd get this left field early 80s disco that is both hedonistic, wild, and still somehow sounding dirty and grimy. It's not as produced as what would be on the floor at Studio 54, but there was just such an edge to it. So I think they come from that in a lot of ways. And the people that helped run DMC become big were also in that. And I, I would probably assume that since the people that like Russell Simmons and Rick Rubin that were that were definitely in that with the Beastie Boys, Run DMC had to have been there. And then you have to remember, after License to Ill, Run DMC took them on the Raising Hell tour. And 
everybody that was on that tour, which is a who's who of kind of the golden age of hip hop, you know, we're talking like Curtis Blow, Cool Mod, Run DMC, Public Enemy, Rakim, for God's sake, like all of them are looking at these VCs going, yo, these white boys can do it. And, and they earned their respect and then when they reached the mountaintop, no one expected anything. And then they would create, as both Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons stated about Paul's Boutique, an album that all hip-hop records should be measured against in terms of creativity, in terms of construction, in terms of the thinking behind it. It can't just be like, oh, I heard a good hook. I'm going to rap over it and make me a million dollars. Uh, because mm-hmm. a lot of the time when you do that, you don't get anything that you want. <laughs> and uh, and I love that about this band more than anything else. And then after, when everyone expected them to do one thing, they made a, made a hard left turn, did another thing, and then made a hard left turn after that, picked up their instruments again and then just started playing and then decided to go in the they started to record them just jamming on their instruments then they would go into the studio with those recordings and sample themselves (laughs) and make hip-hop and then on top of that you'd have a song like root down which would introduce me to one of my favorite jazz musicians of all time and jimmy smith uh which is i mean the sample is just jimmy smith's root root down and i wouldn't know anything about him without that song um and so yeah a i'm very happy that you came away a fan and i'm very happy that they make you their music makes you happy caroline yes i'm very glad we did this because i was able to be happy for almost 21 solid days (laughs) nice Uh, because they are still one of my favorites but uh i know we need to we need to get out of here because uh because of air conditioning reasons i know that next we do it's i know that next time we are doing the people that put the beastie boys on the raisin health tour we're doing run dmc yeah we need to roll for some emotions we do here's our first one negative headspace a one that is anxious okay and our positive headspace six elated that's wonderful that's gonna be cool so i'm not going to put the cart before a horse here but i feel like there's an obvious choice for six or i'm sorry for the for six six is the dice roll Um, (laughs) there's an obvious choice for the eighth but we don't spoil our stuff before. No spoilers. We don't spoil our stuff on this show. Not for each other. Also, I don't know what you're talking about. That's so fine. We'll find out together. We will. <laughs> we will. Um, but before we get out of here, Caroline, where can the folks find you? 
Well, the folks can find me on Twitter. I am Adatoriat. If you've seen me around, you know what it is. Otherwise, you can just find me through the Trivial Merit account. Yes. Which is Trivial Merit. <laughs> yes. And Caroline has been doing a, a thing with the itch.io queer games bundle. Oh, yeah. I have been interviewing developers from the bundle and posting those on Medium. So um, there's a bunch. And by the time this comes out, there will even be a bunch more. So please check those out and please buy the Queer Games Bundle. It's $60 for almost 600 things. Um, and it is just going directly into the pockets of queer game developers. And a lot of them have said uh, that the games that they've submitted this year were partly enabled or even wholly enabled by the money that they got from last year's bundle. So that's exactly the goal is to help uh, give people money for their work and ease some of their financial anxiety because queer people are more likely to be on the financial margins. And um, so it's just like a really good thing to do. And there's tons of great games in the bundle. Caroline also has one more thing to plug that I'm going to bring attention. She released a game. Oh, I did release a little game. You can play my, it's a little dating sim. It's called, What Will You Have? And you pick a main ingredient and then you go on some dates. And while you're on your dates, your main ingredient is cooking in the background. So when you are finished dating, you have a finished dish that could be uh, anything from a chicken salad sandwich to a deep burgundy beef bourguignon. So it's just a really fun thing that I want to make you feel good, make you think about food and um, it's free. So you can just check it out in any browser. I wish dating including was mobile. Like your game. Be yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a rosy picture. I went on some weird dates, and if I would have known Beef Bourguignon was at the end of it, probably would have gone on some <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, you have to stick it out and get your reward. <laughs> oh, that sounds a little bit like something different. Yep, that um, sounds <laughs> It's not that kind of game. It's that's staying in, everyone. It's staying in. Wait, that sounds weird, too. Um, <laughs> uh, also, Caroline writes for Popular Mechanics. You should read her work because it's wonderful. Oh, yeah. Today I got to write about Starquakes. That was pretty cool. Wow. That, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to need to read that. That sounds dope. Uh, so my, yeah, it's so, so neat. My name's Matthew. Uh, I'm just I'm just happy to be here. You can find me on Twitter at infinite underscore re underscore rewind. I also co-host a few other podcasts. One is with Caroline's and my mutual friend Jesse. We talk about movies. It's called Free Reeling It. We watch a movie, then talk about it and kind of go into it. Recently, we watched The Devils uh, with our friend Maddie Lewis and The Devils I'd never seen before, and it's easily one of the best films i've ever seen so watch that oh wow nice listen to us talk about it and uh and and hopefully enjoy i also have a podcast where i talk about video games with some friends it's called story route zero uh, my friend jason my friend moose and my friend michaela we get together and we just sort of goof around talk about what we're playing sometimes we talk about news but we're pretty casual about the whole thing Lastly, but not leastly, the folks at Scanline Media have allowed me to be on the Bald Gun Guy podcast, where we play through the modern 
Hitman uh, video game series trilogy, The World of Assassination. We are about to record Whittleton Creek, which is basically an idyllic suburbia with a fun underbelly of crime. That we get a that sounds about right. To be Agent Forty Seven and kill some folks in. It's great, uh, but we haven't recorded that one. We haven't recorded that one yet. We will soon. Uh, Bald Gun Guy is cool. I really like being a part of it. I'm very thankful because I was a fan of the show before I was on it, and it was I was I was I was very intimidated when when Six said, "Hey, you want to just be on?" <laughs> Uh, That's so fun. You're like that 20-year-old guy who got to suddenly be the lead singer of Journey, right? Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm the lead singer. No, I don't want to be the lead singer of Journey. (laughs) But I won't stop believing. Oh, actually, you know what? I got a funny little bit real quick. One time when I was still driving a semi for Pepsi, I was uh, in a convenience store and on the floor... I, I saw a business card that I picked up and still have. It said the Journey Church, and they had a slogan mm-hmm. at the bottom. But I took some I, I took some like masking tape and taped over the bottom of it, and I wrote out the words "missed opportunity colon," <laughs> and in quotes, "don't stop believing." Nice. And it makes you really zinged them. Well, and the thing is, I have the <laughs> business card on my shelf, like right here. That's nobody wonderful. else is nobody else has seen it except anybody I've told about it. So it's like your power emblem. I make myself laugh <laughs> because because I don't know if I make anybody else. Um, it's like it's like that meme. Um, what would you drop as loot if you were an RPG villain? And that's yours. Yeah. That would be a weird item description in Dark Souls. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> but our last order of business is our theme song, which is new for this season, done by our friend uh, Julian V at J-U-L-Z-V-Z on Twitter. He's a huge Castlevania fan. He really likes video games. He really likes music. And he streams on Twitch. Follow him at that handle. You will not be disappointed. Thank you, Jules, for the theme song. I think that's it for Trivial Merit. I think that is it. So we'll see you in two weeks. Yes, we will. Same time. Same station. We did it. We did. We did.